Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. In a healthy household, there should be love, loving on your kids. Guys, go this way. Do what I said do. And a balance of discipline. If you don't, I'm going to get you. That's biblical. Y'all know that's still biblical. If your kids don't obey, then get them in love. Get them. Get them. Get them good, too. Get them while they're young. Get them. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of pricks and driving far from. We live in a culture that says, put them on a naughty carpet. But the police ain't putting them on a naughty carpet. So if you don't discipline them, they'll grow up, go out there, and get disciplined by somebody that don't care nothing about them. So I'd rather do it first. Is your home healthy? Do you look forward to being there? In today's message... Pastor Bill tells us that a healthy home is the one where there is balance of love and discipline. Balance is a key to a happy home. Where there is too much discipline, there is not enough love. Where there is no discipline, there is no respect or restraint. God has commissioned us to bring up our children in the way they should go. With an eye on our children's future, let's demonstrate God's love, balance with His discipline. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 3, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. If someone's going to serve as an overseer, uh, a big part of overseeing or being a shepherd is you feed sheep. You feed them what? You feed them the Word of God. So you need to be able to teach. Uh, you need to be able to take God's Word and break it down and give it out in, in ways that people get it. Where they hear the Word and they say, I, I'm hearing it, but I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm growing. I'm learning God's Word. I'm getting God's Word. I'm being fed the Word. I understand it. And I'm growing thereby. That's, that's a pastor's, uh, it's a qualification. And so needs to be able to teach, able to teach the word to other people. Uh, verse three, not given to wine. You know, now we, you guys know here for you guys that serve here, we've our criteria here is um, any of the pastors here uh, don't drink whatsoever. Um, it's a liberty that we have laid down that we might be more effective in our service to the Lord and not be a stumbling block to anybody. I guarantee you, if some of y'all came out the chilies and saw me throwing them back, y'all be like, well, Pastor can have one. I can have four. You know, it, it'll be an issue. Um, let me ask this. How many people here have or do ever have or do struggle with any kind of alcohol or substances by show of hands? Have ever have struggle, do struggle. All right. Some of y'all struggling, raise up your hand. You're like, he still OK. So. This is my thing, right? I used to, I used to do it. I used to drink. I used to party. I used to do that, and I remember how it all got started, right? How, how does, how does, how did you begin to become an alcoholic? What do you got to do to start? You got to have one drink. And it was like that felt so good. That was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it again. And then I did it again. And then it was like I'm gonna get two of them. And then I, and then it just, that's how it started. Right. And I remember when it first started, I was very much in control. I was in high school, only did it on the weekends, try to make sure mom and dad didn't find out. I went out with the fellas, did the thing and went back home, went to sleep, woke up. And I was all in control. I only did it on the weekend, Monday through Friday. I didn't do it. Well, Friday night. But you know what I'm saying? I was in control of it. Then before you knew it, it was like, I got to do it every day. I got to move out. Mom's getting mad. You know, I got to get somewhere else now. Now I got to do it and drive. And it just took over my life, took over my life. By God's grace, give my life to the Lord. The Lord delivered me from it. So for me, it would be foolish to go and entangle myself in it again. Um, it, it didn't benefit me. And this is how I weigh it out, right? What would be the benefit of me having? My liberty says, it says I'm not to be given. I can't be addicted. I can't be hanging out with wine. Um, the benefit of having a cup of wine, I don't know what the benefit would be other than Having, I don't know what the benefit, I mean, I could, there's a number of beverages I could have that wouldn't get me tipsy. So I don't know what the benefit would be. But when I look at the downside, that could be 
right? Um, it has a potential to bring me under its power, has a potential to cause me to become addicted to it. There's all these negatives that can happen. It can stumble people. Some guys say, well, I only do it in my own home. I got kids in my home that want to be just like me. Y'all all know BJ. Whatever I do, he does. I, got, I can't even drink coffee in front of him. Give me coffee too, dad. I can't have him on coffee, you know, but you know, you got kids that are looking. So it's like, you know, I, how would that even work? If I came to church and you say, hey, do you drink at home? Do I lie and say, well, I didn't want to do it in front of people. I either do it or I don't. It's my character, right? I'm like, the, my character says I'm a guy that drinks or I don't. I don't. Um, and that's, I've laid that out. That's a standard here. Um, it's so that it's not legalism. I'm not telling people that God said you can't. I'm saying God said I could have a drink. But it's a liberty that I lay down. Paul said in one place, if meat eating meat stumbles you, I won't eat meat. Um, and so that was in a culture where eating certain kinds of meat was stumbling people and their Jewishness. Paul said, look, if me eating bacon is going to stumble you, I'll never eat bacon again. That'd be worse for me than not drinking. So, so, <laughs> you know, um, but Paul said I would do that to not be a stumbling block to other people. So I don't think it'd be legalistic to say as a pastor I'm going to lay that liberty down because I live in a time and in a culture where people are dying. Families are being ruined. Lives are being destroyed behind substance abuse. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I see no benefit in it. I see a million downfalls. I'm going to have me a soda pop, you know, so so not given to wine. The next one is not violent. Old King James says he's not a striker. Uh, pastor can't be uh, some quick tempered, you know, guy that's just you know, ready to scrap at any moment. You know, it could have been your background, right? Everybody's got a past, but it can't be your present. So if you're serving as an overseer, imagine if you're overseeing, um, what, if, what if one of the sheep gets on your nerves? The pastor can't square up and say, what's up then? You know, you can't do that. You got to love the sheep. You got to, you, that can't be the character of a man that's going to serve God's sheep that's going to be loving on them and caring for them. Consider this. Some of you guys' kids are over there in the kids' room right now, right? We're cautious and selective about who can be with your kids in the kids' room. We wouldn't have a woman over there overseeing your kids that when we watch her with her kids, you know, she's off that chain. That's it. Stop it. He just breathed funny. Pow! You know, like, you need to be in here, you know. Double services for you. You know, you wouldn't be over there watching my kid. These God said, look, I oversee Those are my kids. Those are my sheep. I care for my sheep. And I know some of them are funny style. And I need somebody that's going to be patient. You can't be a striker. That's not a characteristic that pleases the Lord, not just for a pastor. Um, and so if you are not, if you, if you know, if you have no aspirations to be a pastor, but you got a quick temper, um, you want to work on that. It's not a pleasing quality to the Lord. And it puts you at risk. I mean, you're not really good to be over other people if you got that character. So he's not violent. Um, then it says he's not greedy for money. So we'll be, uh, and now we see a lot of this uh, in church where uh, it, it appears to me that a lot of a lot of men that serve in this capacity are, they are greedy for money. And so that's what you hear about a lot in some places, money, seed time and a harvest and a harvest and a seed time and a sowing and a reaping and a reaping and a sowing. You doing all the sowing, they doing all the reaping. It's, it's just, so it, 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 and that's what it ends up being a real discouragement to people. I think it's one of the biggest turnoffs to people when um, I, I sometimes when I'm out in the street, just interacting with people, I don't even want them to know I'm a pastor yet. 
Because as soon as they know, the, oh, okay, all right, you know, what you driving? I love for them to see what I'm driving. Once they find out, you know, they know I'm not one of them kind. But, you know, it, it's not a good place for a guy that's greedy for money. You, someone can't, this isn't a place. If you're greedy for money, go sell houses. You know, go do something else, but don't come into the ministry because um, the goal in ministry is you're giving. Uh, you're giving to people. You're giving the word. You're giving them God's truth. Uh, you're ministering to them. There is a portion that comes back to take care of things and take care of the pastors, but it's not so that they can live like rock stars. And so a guy character wise shouldn't be a guy that's greedy for money, that sees this as an opportunity to gain financially, not greedy for money. It says, but gentle. Again, another characteristic This is a guy that's a a gentle character, gentle in his treatment, gentle in his, his dealings with other people. Again, when I think of an actual shepherd and how they care for sheep, it's very gentle. They, they pick them up. They're looking in their ears and cleaning out stuff and anointing eyes. It's just a gentle, careful, caring for sheep. God says, I, want, I want a guy that in, that in this capacity is gentle. Then it says not quarrelsome. So we've gotten beyond violent, striker, fighting. God said, also, don't be argumentative. If you're going to serve in the capacity of an overseer, you can't be an argumentative person. You can't be you can't be someone that just gets drawn in. You guys all know people that just they just ready to argue. What you say? You see, you know, just they just they just there's just it's like they're on the they're on the starting line for the argument before you even say something. Bam, and they're just into the argument. God says, "Hey, that's not that can't be the character of someone that's going to oversee." Um not not all not quarrelsome, not an argumentative person. Um, that's again, it's not a pleasing character to the Lord. So you can check yourself on that. If you're, you find that you're always the one in the mix, five people having a discussion, you take it to the next level. Um, you know, you just, just ready to argue, you know, then you got to check that. God said, that's, that's not a good characteristic. What, what can God do with an argumentative person? You know, um, me and my sister used to argue and we would go at it and, and we'd be encouraged. My mom said, you guys be good lawyers. <laughs> that about all you would be because it was lying and all that argument too so you know uh, <laughs> not, I don't know if the lawyer's here but not a good characteristic so not quarrelsome again not covetous we, we did but not greedy for money but also not covetous not, not wanting not a guy that's just going everywhere he goes I want that I want that I got eyes for that I see that when you look at men in the word that they were serving God in this way um, and this is this strikes me what they wanted were the things that God wanted. When I look at Paul and the things that we're praying for and going after, it was never, I can't ever find where Paul went after stuff. I can't ever find where Peter was going after stuff. They were going after souls. They were going after people. They were going after continents. They were going after areas, figuring out Paul's, I'm looking for a way in the will of God to get over there with the gospel because they need it. That's what they wanted. They weren't guys that were sitting up looking for what, what they could get. They were looking for who they could reach. And so, it would be a real conflict to have a guy serving in the capacity where his heart needs to be for people and reaching whose hearts sold out for some stuff. So God says, I, I don't want a covetous person uh, serving in this way. Verse four, uh, this one goes, this goes home and deals with the family. It says one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. So God says for the man that will serve as an overseer, as a pastor, also have a requirement on how he does things at home. For everybody that serves here, uh, this is the this is how I lay it out to all those that serve here, that this is what it should look like in the lives of all those that serve God. One, you and Jesus is always of first priority. How are you doing with the Lord? That's always the most important thing before serving, before doing anything for anybody else. You and your relationship with Jesus. That's the that's the thing that you want to work on, first of all, and foremost, always. Then after you and the Lord, if you're married, it's you and your spouse. How's your marriage? 
Husbands, are you loving your wives? Are you ministering to them? Are you pouring in their wives? Are you loving your husband, submitting to him? Is a marriage right? Then if you're blessed beyond marriage to have children, are you pouring into them? Are you loving on your kids? Are you spending time with them? Are you, are you ministering to their needs? And then if you're doing that, you and the Lord are right. If you're married, you and your marriage is, is going well. If you've got kids, you're ministering to them. Then everything else is overflow. Now, from the overflow of those things, um, if that's all in order, and, and there's some there's a, there's many areas where we need people to serve. Then we would say, man, come and, and, and let this be an overflow. Right. God says here for an overseer. First, he's got to be able to rule his own house. Well, as though the home would be a litmus test. And I, I look at it like this. If I can't oversee uh, a woman who who loves me, you know, uh, some kids that bear my last name, um, those that live very close to me and see me for what I really if I can't if I can't lead them. And he says it later on, if you can't rule your own house, how are you going how are you going to lead the church if you can't lead those that are just under right and immediately under you? So I'll say what it doesn't mean, uh, because this is uh, it should be used in a way to really discourage pastors. I do believe that one of the ways that Satan attacks pastors many times is through their children, um, something that no parent. I see great parents with really challenging children at times. Um, and so there isn't anything that says because you love God, mom and dad, that all the kids are going to love the Lord. And that's, it is difficult to, to swallow, difficult pill to swallow, because just like you got to choose, your kids get to choose. My choice doesn't demand their choice. The idea here is that they're under when you they're small children, they're under your control. You're ruling your own house. Well, so when I look at a parent of young kids and they have no control, kids don't listen. Um, it says a couple things. There's no there's the balance of love and discipline are not there. Right. In a healthy household, there should be love, loving on your kids. I just go this way. Do what I said. Do. And a balance of discipline. If you don't, I'm going to get you. That's biblical. Y'all know that's still biblical. If your kid don't obey, then get them in love. Get them. Get them. Get them good, too. Get them while they're young. Get them. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction is driving far from. We live in a culture that says put them on a naughty carpet, but the police ain't putting them on a naughty carpet. So if you don't discipline them, they'll grow up, go out there and get disciplined by somebody that don't care nothing about them. So I'd rather do it first. This, it'd be better for y'all to obey me. So guys, look, if you can't rule them, you, got, you can't get little Timmy and Tanya to do what you say do. How you going to rule the church of God? Because you know what? You, you grow this up. How many of y'all know y'all are unruly sometimes? Anybody here admit you unruly sometimes? All right. All, right, all the hands. All right. So and all the ones that didn't rate it undercover unruly. <laughs> you can't really watch them. So, you know, it, it just be more of a challenge. You can't oversee that. God says, and you know, that that's probably where you need to keep your focus. You know, minister to that. Deal with that. So what it doesn't mean doesn't mean that all your kids are saved. Does mean that they're under, uh, they're under your their their submission. You at least have parented. Uh, you can parent non-believers where they're being submission and obedient. Um, it's not demanding that all of our kids be saved. That's our desire. That is the goal. And any parent, any parent that have kids that aren't saved, I I know that that's your probably your biggest prayer and the thing that you're crying out to the Lord to do and you're seeking Him for. Um, and, and we, we cry out with you. Um, I have four, I got three that are, that I believe are, you know, that are right where they need to be. I got one. I'm praying, I'm praying that God would do a work that God would, God would intervene. And so, um, in no way is this, a uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've had people use this to discourage, uh, pastors that I know 
They got a kid that's not doing well, you know, and it's like, well, see, you disqualified. And I just, I think that enemy can sometimes use that to, uh, I've actually seen it be used to really discourage and break, break men down, you know, so I don't believe it means that. Uh, there's another scripture. If you're writing notes, write down Titus chapter one, verse six. And in Titus one, six, speaking of the same thing, raising up pastors, um, Titus was uh, raising up pastors to serve in Crete, which is a really messed up area. And he said, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. Oh, I skipped verse six. It says, if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children. And so the idea there is that his children are um, the word faithful means same thing. They're under control there. There's a consistent under control, the faithful children. And so anybody serving as a pastor, we want to definitely uh, look at home and make sure that we're we're ministering home is always first. For me, that's that's a that's a big deal for me. I got a wife. I got four kids. And that is a priority above this. It'll always have to be a priority above this. And I was reading uh, a guy on this. And for you guys know, Warren Wiersbe, and he was he did a uh, he did a panel discussion with a group of pastors. And for you guys who don't, Warren Wiersbe is one of our, he's one of our, in our era, one of the great, you know, Bible teachers, Bible minds of our day, written tons of great books, commentaries and whatnot. But they asked him, they said, <clears throat> the pastors asked Warren Wiersbe, you know, what's the best way to keep balance between the ministry and the family? Always difficult thing. How do you keep that balance between ministry and the family? This is what he said to the pastors. He said, the best thing you can do for your congregation is have a strong family, have a strong marriage and a family. He said, the best thing you can do for your family is to build a strong church for them to attend. And he said, that was the balance. He said, you know, the best thing you can do for your church is to make sure that your marriage is right. Because people are looking for how to do it. So make sure you can model it for them. Uh, make sure that you're ministering to your kids right. Because it's a model that other people can follow. They're trying to figure out how to do it. It's the best thing you can do for your church. Best thing you can do for your family is to build a church. Have a church. Have a place where people can come and be built up and to be healthy and to be right. Where your kids grow up under sound doctrine and good teaching and, and a healthy church atmosphere and environment. And so there is a balance and we're always seeking um, as believers to strike that balance. So one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. And so once again, um, his children are under his control. So I would feel like I mean, I should be able to tell my kids to do something and they do it. Um, I should be able to ask them to do whatever and they do it. I, you know, um, I, I didn't even grow up in a Christian home and my mom had that much. Now, how she got it, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't I don't remember ever, you know, talking back to my mom. Uh, I don't remember ever. You know, I've been man, me and my wife have been blown away uh, watching how some kids respond to their parents. Johnny, come here. And I, my kids look back like, what they going to do? What's, what's going to happen? Like, whoa, like just waiting to see, like, what? like I've never seen that before, you know, and, and it's just a foreign thing. You know, we, we, it shouldn't be right. Uh, it's not it's not unloving to have order and discipline for your kids. They'll need it. When the Bible says train up a child in the way you should go, consider this. If your child can't obey you and be submissive to you then that's going to hurt them everywhere else. It, it won't work anywhere else. It won't work at school. And they're going to do poor at school because they won't they don't submit there. They'll do poor in the world. They ever get a job. They're going to do poor in that arena. It's going to hurt them for the rest of life. But most of all, it's going to hurt their relationship with the Lord because they haven't learned to submit to you. And then God's going to just like you want. You're telling them to do things they don't want to do, but they don't want to do it. And they 
they impose their will upon you and don't do it. Well, that'll that'll play out in their walk with the Lord. God's I know God said, don't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway, because that's how I've been raised. I do what I want. I at least want my kids to know when you do what you want, you get spanked because won't God spank you? <laughs> Anybody ever been touched up by the Lord? So um, I want to I want to be fair, raise them, train them up in the way they should go, not just let them go. So um, having his own children in submission with all reverence. Verse five, it says, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? And so that's God's word. If you can't minister at home, how are you going to minister in my church? Um, it won't happen. So that's a criteria qualification. Then it says in verse six, not a novice, at least being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. So an overseer is not to be a, a, a new convert, a new believer. Um, the word novice there, it, the, the word means a newly planted tree. And the idea is if you take someone that they're just barely saved and you put them in that place, they're going to be filled up with pride and fall into the same condemnation as the devil. We've all seen where some star makes a proclamation of their faith and then right away they're pulled up to TV and doing testimonials and, you know, almost they're preaching already. And I'm like, he just said he got saved last month. Let the brother sit at church for a minute. Somebody disciple him. Um, and it, it, it rarely goes well for those guys. They get, they get blown up real quick. It's like, even though they're a star, they're a human being with flesh. Their flesh has been built up their whole life. And they're the other, they let them be built up. Let them get discipled. They need to be built up. So God says, not a novice, not a new believer, not a newly planted tree, a newly planted. Let them be watered for a while. Let them grow. Let them get their roots down. Let them be built up. And if that's what God has for them, this is a cool thing with a calling from God. God won't change his mind. So some guys, I feel like God's called me to do this. That, it'll be there. It'll be there for years. It'll never go away. It'll always be there. That's one way that I've learned to confirm that which is from God and that which is kind of a fleeting thought. The things that are from the Lord in my life, they don't go away. You know, there's a point where I felt called to be a pastor for many years. And, you know, I wasn't a pastor yet, but I was, you know, going to Bible college and I was serving in different ministries, but I felt called to be a pastor. And every time I would be in an atmosphere where I was seeking the Lord or just seeking God for his direction for my life, it would always come back. It would always be there. And it never went away. It's still there. Like Jonah. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah was like, no, nah, I'm going to Tarsus. God said, yeah. And when he got done getting beat up and hurled up by the great fish, God said, now nah, go, go to Nineveh. I have not changed my mind about what I called you to do. You want to obey now? Obedience goes to Nineveh. And so he went. God won't change his mind about what he's called us to be. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And we can be thankful for that. So now switching gears from the overseer or pastor. Now it says uh, the deacons. And again, a deacon is one. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped verse uh, seven. It says, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. Least he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So last qualification for an overseer is that he's got to have a good testimony among even non-believers. Y'all know how church folk can do. We can come here and, and have a great testimony among each other. Oh, sister Sally Sue is so awesome. Every time I see her, she just just so happy and bubbly. And I said, how you doing, sister Sally Sue? I'm blessed and favored of God. Oh, she's all here. And then you go to her house, though. And her neighbors is like she she'd be kicking our trash cans over. She cussed out my kids for riding the bike on the grass. You know, he said, you need to have a good testimony, even among those who are outside, that your life is not compartmentalized because some people know how to do church. But we are the church and we need to be very mindful that we go out there. So everybody here can consider 
What's your testimony like here? What's your character like in the body? But even more, what's your character like out there? What would your neighbors say? We interview your coworkers, neighbors, people that just observe you in normal. What would they say? Thank you for joining us today on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're so glad you took the time to be here. Pastor Bill is diving into the book of 1 Timothy, a letter Paul wrote to the young pastor with words of wisdom on how to lead. Paul taught Timothy to serve in humility by sharing his own story of salvation. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly and in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. There is no quicker antidote to pride than to look at who you were when Jesus found you. As you guide people to Jesus, remember where you were and be open with your story. The world doesn't need a perfect leader. It needs humble people to lead them to the Savior. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Did you want to hear more from Pastor Bill or listen to today's message again? You can find today's message and many others on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to do some deeper study for yourself, we have a daily Bible reading plan you can join in on with us. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back right here next time for more in the book of 1 Timothy on A Transforming Word.